Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and on this week's edition, we've got a great guest lined up for you. Can't wait for you all to hear from Dawn Staley, the head coach of the number one women's college basketball team in the country, the South Carolina Gamecocks, and she is the head coach of our national team, Team USA. The women will be looking for a seventh consecutive gold in Tokyo next summer. We'll talk about that and the rise of women's college basketball. All that coming up with Dawn Staley in just a bit. We want to begin, of course, with our citizen news and notes of the week. And on Tuesday, the Atlanta Tip-Off Club announced the five finalists competing for the Jersey Mike's Naismith National Boys and Girls High School Coach of the Year Honors. The five finalists for each award represent high schools from across the country, and the winners of the Jersey Mike's Naismith High School Boys and Girls Coach of the Year Awards will be announced on March the 9th. You can check it all out online at NaismithTrophy.com. As we dive into this week's news and notes, I want to give Alabama's Herbert Jones a round of applause. Alabama beat LSU last weekend 88-82, but it was the Coliseum crowd's remembrance of what Jones did in that game that they will long remember. He is a left-hander. He broke his left wrist, so he started the game with a cast on his surgically repaired left wrist. Then he went out and grabbed 17 rebounds in this game. And with a minute 37 left, had to go to the foul line. Now remember, he's a left-hander, had to shoot two big foul shots with the game on the line. He uses his non-dominant right hand, hits two free throws, and Alabama beat LSU. Congratulations to Herbert Jones of the Crimson Tide. It was a rough weekend in the top 25. LSU was one of eight top 25 teams that went down to defeat last weekend. Louisville in that number. They fell on the road to two unranked teams at Georgia Tech and at Clemson. Big win for the Tigers. That win over Louisville last Saturday was the second this season for Clemson over a top five team. The Tigers beat number three Duke back in January, and it marks the first time that Clemson has knocked off two top five teams in the same season since 1979-1980. The Maryland Terrapins trailed by seven with 7.25 remaining, then went on a 14-0 run, and they beat Michigan State 67-60. So it's a two-team race now between Maryland and Penn State for the Big Ten crown, and Maryland seems like a lock for a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. It's probably about time we start paying attention to San Diego State. They are now number four in the country, are 26-0. They wrapped up the Mountain West last weekend. There are currently two teams in the top ten in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency. They are the Duke Blue Devils, and the San Diego State Aztecs. want to remind everybody about a big showdown in men's college basketball coming on Saturday, and that is the Kansas-Baylor game. Now, these teams met at Allen Fieldhouse over a month ago, and Baylor won that game and won it big. Now the return match, it is going to be probably, if Baylor wins, for the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Should be quite a match. On the women's side, Monday night, number 8 UCLA rallied to beat number 15 Oregon State in overtime, 83-74. The Bruins were down by 14 in the third quarter in that game. Oregon State now has to go to Stanford, number 4 Stanford, on Friday. And the Beavers are in the middle of a four-game road trip, two last weekend, two this weekend. It's their longest road trip in 10 years in the Pac-12. And UConn's record streak of top five appearances in the AP women's basketball poll is now over. The Huskies fell to sixth on Monday, ending a run 
of 253 consecutive weeks as one of the teams in the first five in the top 25. That streak dated back to February 5th of 2007. The longest current streak is now held by number one, South Carolina, at 11 consecutive weeks. And that leads us into our guest this week. This week's A Trophy Life is presented by the Boland Group. From next-generation telecommunication systems to reliable power transmission, distribution, substations, and beyond, they provide comprehensive solutions for commercial, governmental, and industrial entities. They pride themselves on the ability to manage the engineering, procurement, and construction phases of each project while maintaining an in-depth and detailed involvement in every aspect of their clients' needs. The Boland Group is your best choice for strategic infrastructure solutions and Atlanta Tip-Off Club board member and former University of Kentucky Basketball All-America Jack Goose Gibbons is there to help you. Dawn Staley is our guest this week, and she has done practically everything you can do in women's basketball. She's a two-time Citizen National Player of the Year at the University of Virginia. She's already in the Basketball Hall of Fame. She's a three-time gold medalist as a player, now coaching our national team next summer for the first time. She carried the flag in 04 for the opening ceremonies. Her South Carolina Gamecock women won the 2017 National Championship. She was a six-time WNBA All-Star. Amazing. And through it all, as humble and as Philly proud as you can get. Here's my chat with Dawn Staley. Well, a thrill to have with us Dawn Staley, whose South Carolina women's basketball team is number one in the country. She's a busy lady these days, not only with her team, but also getting ready for the Olympics next summer. Dawn, thank you for joining us, and how are you? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me. Well, it's just, it's just a great time to catch up with you. Uh, the Naismith, as a two-time winner, I know means a lot to you, and uh, we're thrilled to have you on to talk about your team and Team USA and, and what's going on in women's basketball. This has been a pretty remarkable women's season uh, so far. Up at the top, you've got so many power clubs, your team leading the way, but uh, wow, we've, we've got some great teams out there that we've been watching all season. It's actually been a, an exciting year. Uh, with you know it not being so predictable, um, we've had different number one teams in the country. We've had you know upsets all over uh, women's basketball, and um, I just think the fans are getting um, both in person and on social media. You know they have a lot to talk about in our game, and when people are talking about women's basketball, um, that's making us more uh, valuable to the to the entire sport sporting arena and i'm super happy that um, we are in the conversation um being here at the university of south carolina well you've got a team that can win it all as there are several others of course but uh, you've got to be feeling good about your club 19 straight wins after beating vanderbilt on monday and i know in watching your team a Dawn Staley team generally gets better as the season goes along, and it looks like that's what's happening to this year's team. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a you know really good team that that's pretty locked in. They're, they're super competitive. They're highly motivated women that, I mean, they just want to win. And they are incredibly coachable. Um, they 
They listen to the, the small details um, in preparation for games, and they actually execute those things in games. A lot of times you you have a team and you, you prep for um, your opponent and, you know, they, they you know, they're in a, a period of their lives where they listen to professors and they just try to have some recall with what the professor said on tests or, or papers. Um, and it's just recall. There's no depth to it. It's just memorization. Um, but with basketball and this crew, they actually are seeing it, executing it, and, and, and being able to stay locked in and hold each other accountable. And that, that makes for, you know, some happy coaches in us and our staff and, and makes for a, a pretty good season thus far. Well, they sound like little Don Staley's. If, <laughs> to be able to take that great coaching and then put it into practice, that's something you did uh, as a player uh, coming along out of Philadelphia and, and on to Virginia and then on to the pros. Um, Don, I want to ask you, you could probably give us a, a, a little uh, seminar on time management. How in the world are you coaching your team and getting ready for the Olympics at the same time? Now, the national team, of course, is playing, and you've got your staff with, those, with the team and working on those games. But still, it's your ball club when, when you get to Tokyo and, and all the preparation that leads up to the Olympics. How do you de- devote your time accordingly? I mean, it's, it's fairly easy. I think with communication, anything can be accomplished. Um, but while I'm at this stage of, 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 of basketball season, a lot of what I do um, is cater to the needs of South Carolina. Um, and um, with USA Basketball, a lot of that has to, you know, has to be with communicating with Carol Callen, um, Cheryl Reeve and Dan Hughes. We do a lot of uh, text messaging. We we get on the phone and we talk strategy. We talk about where we see our team um, needing to progress in certain areas on both sides of the basketball. Um, <clears throat> but ultimately, um, what I've told Cheryl and Dan is you have to win basketball games. And sometimes as a coach, when, you know, the head coach isn't there, um, you may feel something. If you feel something like something that we haven't implemented offensively or defensively, go with your gut. Go win the basketball game. Don't try to win basketball games with the stuff that we, we have in um, because a lot of the stuff that we have in is stuff that, that we run here in South Carolina and may not be, you know, what their first, Cheryl and Dan's first knee-jerk reaction to how to out five ten opponents. Um, so, you know, it was good to get back because I did get a chance to see them um, a couple of days ago in practice. So it was really good to be uh, wearing the red, white, and blue in practice and watching just how much we've come from September until now. And it's going to take every bit of training camp that we've had um, thus far and moving forward in order for us to win a a seventh consecutive historical uh, gold medal because the rest of the world is catching up to us. Well, Dawn, you're a part of three of those gold medals as a player. Uh, carried the flag, of course, for the opening ceremonies in 04. Tell us a little bit about what that means, your Olympic... Uh, I mean, you've done everything in the game, my goodness. You know, you're in the Hall of Fame and as a great coach and great player. 
But it is different uh, when you're representing your country. Talk a little bit about the Olympic experience. I mean, the, the Olympic experience is um, unlike any other um, experience in, in basketball for me. And I, I know that some of my Olympic teammates can attest to that. Um, even even the ones that have won, you know, WNBA championships or European championships, it's a, it's a little bit different when you put on the red, white, and blue. Um, one is that you know, there aren't, you know, there aren't any individual bonuses. Um, there aren't any egos. There aren't any people who are looking, you know, running to a stat sheet to see how many points they scored or how many rebounds. Um, it's totally about winning. It's, it, it takes you back to those innocent days of playing on the playground where you're just really playing for pride. You're playing to continue to stay on the court, um, you know, as a for me as a youngster in North Philly, um, I kind of equated just to that because um, it's hard waiting around and and seeing someone else be successful. Well, USA basketball, um, you you you're under an incredible amount of pressure to win gold. You're you're under a lot of pressure to um, to make sure your team is well prepared, um, especially with the ever growing. Um, of international play. Coaches are better. Players are better. Um, and finally, finally, uh, within this quadrant, um, because FIBA is doing something a little bit different, we get smaller pockets of time to compete and to train and, uh, and, uh, and to gain a lot of chemistry that other international teams get because they – you know, they, they pretty much force their players to, to play and stick together for a longer period of time um, throughout the, the quadrant of uh, leading up to a, an Olympic Games. But, I mean, it is something that I I keep coming back to. I mean, I've spent more than half of my, half of my life um, either playing or coaching within USA Basketball. And I would not have, you know, changed it. For, for anything, because everybody needs that dose of, of playing for merely the innocence of playing and competing and, and winning with all of the, the externals and the extra stuff that goes on uh, when, you have a, when you have a really good team. The one advantage that we have, the United States, is that the members on this team – know what they're doing. Now, they've been doing this a long time. That has to be a huge benefit. I mean, you're talking about people like, you know, Sue Bird and, uh, you know, these, they've, been, they've, Brittany Griner and Sylvia Fowles, I mean, they've been through these wars so much. Uh, what a huge advantage for you and the staff. It, it's a huge advantage to have experienced players um, like, like the, the players who are two, three, four-time Olympians. Olympians, gold medalists. When your when your best players, um, when your best players commit to coming year in and year out, Olympic year and Olympic year in and out, you give yourself the best opportunity to have the type of success that our women's basketball program has had. Um, Super four-time Olympian, uh, Diana Taurasi, four-time Olympian, Sylvia Files, I believe it. Uh, the two-time Olympian. 
when you have those players continuing to come back, um, you you put yourself in a position to be successful. But but at the same time, um, we're, we're also able to bring in some of the younger talent to make sure that our future is bright within USA basketball. And not because you can't take in um, twelve inexperienced, and I'm saying experience in the Olympic Games because you can have a team full of uh, experienced players who have yet to play on the international Olympic stage. And I, I, I just don't think we could get it done with, with, with newbies. So we're very fortunate that we have a, a large pool of players who are dedicated to um, experiencing a basketball experience like no other. And I, you know, we at USA Basketball really appreciate them taking the time because they take time away from their family. This is their off season. Um, some of them have committed to USA Basketball uh, for this year, um, leading into the Olympic Games in, in Tokyo. Um, so that's taking money out of their pocket that they could be making overseas playing. So when you have that kind of commitment, um, it, it, it gives you it gives you some, I mean, an opportunity to feel some comfort in that although, amongst the pressure. Because there is, no matter what, you, we're going to feel the pressure of, of winning a gold medal for the seventh consecutive time. Don, you mentioned Philly, and I know you are a Philadelphia proud, no doubt about that. And I was wondering, as you were coming along and, and coming through Dobbins and, and getting ready to go to Virginia, but just growing up in North Philadelphia, who impacted your life early on that helped you fall in love with the game of basketball? Um, I mean, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of different people. But growing up in Philly, um, the one person that I admired, but at the same time I was scared to death of, was my mother. Um, she was a, a disciplinarian. I mean, she wanted things done her way, and her way was usually the right way. Um, so she was my, my biggest inspiration, my biggest supporter. Um, so that's in my household. But if I had to, if I had to choose um, who made a big impact on me as a youngster, I would have to really pay tribute to the, to the guys in my neighborhood who they toughened me up. You know, they they talked about me, you know, they joked, you know, they made those old cliches jokes about, you know, me being the only girl on the on the playground in the in the in the project. Um, you need to go put on a skirt somewhere. We heard all of the old cliches, go, you know, go go in the kitchen and cook, that type of thing. You know, but once we got past that and they knew I was there, um, just to just to feel the pride of playing basketball and competing. Once we got past that and they knew what I was out there for, um, they they were my biggest protectors. They were my they were they were the people that I looked forward to going up against every single day because they didn't they didn't treat me like a female. They treated me like one of them, and I I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't be the the player nor now the coach that I am, if I didn't get that tough love from them. You've really seen it come full circle because, you know, you're talking about the newbies on the Olympic team, the girls that are coming along now. 
they think nothing of the WNBA and professional basketball. Like, this is just normal. It's, been, it's like it's been around forever, and you and I both know that's not the case. No, it's, it, it, it's not the case. But, I, you know, I, I, I look back on our 1996 team, um, Olympic um, basketball team, and um, during that time, USA Basketball, uh, the NBA, uh, everybody – gave us a chance to uh, play during the the prime of our careers. And be, because of because of that, America saw us play during the primes of our career. Like, take for instance, if, if we weren't able to see uh, Michael Jordan at 26, 27, 28, and on, look what we would have missed out on. Something incredible, but because of 1996, um, it, it opens people's eyes to, to women playing beyond college and into the pros and seeing how much better we've gotten because of um, our ability to continue to play and have a platform to play. And from there on, we've had the, the WNBA and over the, I, I think it's been uh, 20, 23 years. Um, that a women's professional league has been in existence. Do you do we really stop to think about how many how many little girls who have had their dreams realized because of the platform that women's basketball was given, and we took advantage of it. And now um, the, the WNBA is is older than every player on our team, and that's that's. That's an incredible feat. Now they, the players on my team at South Carolina, can can have their dreams realized because that's what they grew up on. They they didn't have to grow up on. Oh, I wish I'm going to be the first female NBA player. No, they they don't have to wish for that. You know, they can actually see their dreams realized in the WNBA, and that's that's an incredibly proud moment. You know, for for all of us. Well, Dawn, the one thing we love about you, you always remember where you came from, and you apply that to the, your team now and, and coaching our national team and, and every endeavor that you've taken. And as a two-time Citizen National Naismith Player of the Year, uh, we thank you uh, for taking this time out of a very, very busy week to talk with us. And the women's game's in a great place, and it's, it's, a, it's a thank you to people like you uh, that have made it so. Congratulations, and good luck the rest of the way. We'll see you in the tournament. Oh, thank you so much. Citizen, the title sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Trophy for College Player of the Year, is sending one lucky winner and a guest to the NCAA Championship Weekend April 2020 with tickets to the semifinal and championship games, a Citizen Naismith watch, and invitations to hospitality events. Try your luck today and enter to win the Citizen Slam Dunk Sweepstakes by visiting citizenwatch.com slash us slash en slash Naismith. Winner will be chosen once the sweepstakes concludes on March 22, 2020. Limit one entry per person. Must be a U.S. resident. Our Naismith Awards trivia this week, 10 schools have produced both a Women's Citizen Naismith Trophy winner and Warner Ladder Coach of the Year Award in history. One of those schools is the University of Virginia. 
Debbie Ryan was the coach in 1991, and Dawn Staley, the player in 1991 and again in 1992. My thanks to Dawn Staley for taking time out to join us this week. The Gamecock women will play LSU in Columbia on Thursday, and then many of you can see the game on Sunday as they go to Lexington to take on Kentucky. That will be broadcast on ESPN2. Have a comment or a question? Send us a tweet at Naismith Trophy, and we will get to it in an upcoming mailbag segment. And don't forget, no matter how you download us, it's on Spotify or Apple, however you get our podcast, to rate and review. If you give us five stars, that would be great. We can sure spread the word about the Naismith trophies, all the awards, and really talk more about college basketball with more people. So if you could rate and review us, we would appreciate that. That'll do it for this week's edition. Thank you for joining us. So long for now.